As Marshall now responds to criticism faced by its handling of Title IX in the past, Lipscomb's Kathy Hargis talked about how in recent years, how Title IX has become a politicized issue based on how different administrations have handled the policy recommendations. I think the only thing that has probably been, and this is probably true for um, a lot of, I would say, people in this role, is that it's depending on depending on the politics of um Depending on the administration, you know, a lot of times they will kind of come back and uh, take another look at Title IX. You know, we had that, a new policy, uh, the new regs came out in 2020. Obviously now we have a different administration and the, uh, you know, the proposed regs, you know, came out on the 50th anniversary of Title IX in July. So the, the comment section, um, has really, I guess, expired. So they're looking at all the comments now to to the proposed reg, and we'll take those into consideration, I assume, and then they will, um, those will go into effect at some point, possibly next year, maybe the year after. I'm not really sure when that will take effect. So I think from a coordinator's perspective, one of the more frustrating things for everyone is that, you know, it, it keeps being revised with, uh, changes in administration, and so that that can, I think, make for some frustrations um, for everyone in in this uh, business, so to speak. Uh, just because it takes time to uh, redo your policies, there's an element of training that has to take place. You know, there are costs involved with that, and and I think the most important thing that it's a little bit challenging uh, for your students and your faculty and staff that are, you know, that fall under this to keep up with the changes that are happening from administration to administration. They do change a bit, so that is a bit confusing for them and sometimes a bit hard to explain. Hargis also talked about how when the time comes for policy comments after the U.S. government opens the recommendations come for comment, there is still the task of making certain that the policies can be incorporated in the university's mission. You know, I mean, I think you do have some some parts of it that that take into account the school's mission in the, if you're talking about just the policy. Uh, the policy piece, a lot of things that are kind of mandated that you have to have in your policy. So you have to make sure that your policy really captures all the things that it's required to capture. You know, there is a little bit of leeway as far as you know, being able to draft your policy to make it a little bit, you know, specific to your university. Um, there are some things in there that, that probably ours would look very different than, um, you know, a public school in Tennessee or, or elsewhere. Uh, it would just be, um, you know, some, some specific things. We don't get into really in the policy a lot of your kind of nuts and bolts about your prevention efforts, that's really not something that's expounded upon a lot in your policy. But those are things that with your training and whatever that you just carry out, kind of separate and apart from from that. Dr. Rubin talks about how with regard to athletics, it is not mentioned at all within the law and that Title IX is still at a phase of equity and not equality. It has nothing to do with athletics, right? So most people think it is about athletics. If you ask some person today, they may have no idea how it's connected to education. So I think that's one critique is like, why is athletics involved? Um, I've read 
books and articles on both sides of Title IX. And a very big critic of it, Jessica Gavora, she said, we don't segregate students by gender in the classroom. Like, you would never have an English class for women and an English class for men in college. And, I mean, you would in other countries, maybe in the Arab world, <laughs> but not in the U.S. So in the U.S., we don't segregate people. Uh, in classrooms, so why would we segregate them in sports? And I thought, ooh, I never thought about it that way, to be honest. But Title IX does so many other things, and it protects women if they have pregnancy and they're competing in athletics, they are not penalized for that provided support, or if they're pregnant in classes and they need a break from the college. It's sort of like military service. You know, athletics will give you a pause on your eligibility if you're supporting you know, the country that way. So there's protections in many ways, but I think right now we're still at equity 50 years later. And when I did the, the article on Title IX with Nancy Lowe at the 40-year mark, we were still at equity. And I think getting to equality has a long way to go. I think maybe athletes will be paid before women and men have equality in athletics. So if that's my critique, it's just 50 years has moved like molasses and then we could do better. Law's critique is that the federal government allows universities to have freedom to determine the policy that best suits their campus. All laws intentionally vague. I understand that. But Title IX explicitly says in the beginning, doesn't explicitly say, but it's in the beginning of Title IX, it essentially says this is the bare minimum and we encourage universities to adopt their own policy. Um... I don't, I don't think that that's fair. I don't think that it's fair to say to a university, like, you decide how to protect your students because that means that there's going to be differences across every campus, so you may be safer in one campus and not in the other. Like, if there was more protection put in place within the actual law, there would be less ambiguity or ambiguity between campuses. Um, also, there's stuff about, like, because fraternity houses and sorority houses explicitly um, discriminate based on gender, that they do not, they're not held to the Title IX law. So, like, you can't submit Title IX cases against fraternity houses or sorority houses because they are not under the scope of Title IX, which I think is, I mean, that's so, una that's unacceptable. Like, we all know that the most sexual violence happens at fraternity houses on a college campus. So the fact that they are exempt from these laws, it doesn't make any sense. 